hot versus cold, right versus wrong, Democrat versus Republican, we can recognize all of these as examples of direct polarities of each other. Now, when I say empathic versus narcissistic, do you get the sense that these are also polarities? Or maybe you've never thought about those labels in that way before. In our society, when polarities enter into dualities, judgment is involved, and in my experience, this empathic versus narcissistic topic can be heavily skewed with judgment. But we chose this somewhat controversial topic to shine the light of compassion onto each side, defining the labels in energetic terms and providing new perspectives and guidance and how each side can move out of duality and toward the middle and neutral ground that would be considered in our book as standing in your power. Thank you, beautiful people. Alexander here. I just wanted to give a shout out to all you that are supporting us and for the newcomers that feel drawn to uh, give in some way, sharing the podcast or word of mouth goes a long way. Anyone that feels drawn to help us out monetarily, it helps us to continue providing this information for people that uh, can't afford private sessions or that are struggling in their own private lives. The link for that donation is wise-wise.com backslash support. Even rating and leaving reviews on iTunes or commenting on YouTube really helps us out. Liking our Facebook page, subscribing to our YouTube and Spotify channels so that you know when our newest releases are released. So Deep Soul, thank you to everyone out there. We're sending you love. So let's continue to grow together and learn to make love with the friction in life. And now, energetic beings alike, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Social media is a wonderful place to get ideas for topics for this podcast. Mm. And one that I've been wanting to talk about for a while now is on the so-called empathic uh, traits of humans and the so-called narcissistic traits of humans. And most recently, I saw a list of uh, ways to stand in your power or what it looks like to stand in your power. And they're, they're very similar to what we've talked about in the past on how to energetically stand in your power, know who you are, define yourself, and not waver from those types of things, but also not take a hard harsh boundary against them so that like you're like you're physically or mentally or um emotionally like fighting against that kind of like how you say you know be the tree right and i saw people comments um commenting saying that those seem like narcissistic traits and i've seen that a lot and you know i've been called in the past narcissistic for doing similar things as, such as like knowing who I am and not wavering on like a boundary that I have mm -hmm. because people I think want something from me or they want me to change my mind and when I won't they kind of see it that way so I just I just see the whole conversation as skewed and misrepresented uh, from an energetic point of view and I wanted to bring that to our viewers attention and, and let's talk about it from the just philosophy's point of view and how the energies interact between these two types of people or people with the these types of traits yeah and that's that's the first thing that i want to point out is that we're going to be talking about traits that people carry rather than uh, defining these people or putting labels on and we 
in this philosophy in the podcast, we bring out so-called high energies and low energies, the so-called positive side and the so-called negative, but we don't get into judgment of what's right and wrong and good and bad and that type of thing. Uh, this is connected to one of the pillars that you know is the separation between polarity and duality. And so with the understanding of polarity that in order to have one thing, the opposite has to exist. That's the very first thing we want to point out here, that if there are so-called empathic natures or tendencies out there, then they have to be this other so-called labeled tendencies of so-called narcissistic tendencies out here. But that doesn't necessarily define a person. Now, when you get into clinical definitions, there are people that supposedly fall under these categories, but these are terms that we've just gotten uh, ridiculously loose at, at using. And many times the empathic natures are seen as so-called positive and the narcissistic natures are seen as so-called negative. And that division is what creates the arguments, creates the the wars, the the fights that, that people get involved with, rather than just recognizing that these are tendencies, they can be worked on and adjusted. And that's what this podcast and this The Just Philosophy is all about, is how to recognize a person, a situation, or a um, energy, to show it respect same person, situation, or energy, and then to simply redirect that energy. There's nothing that needs to be fought. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. There's nothing that needs to be proven. So in this view of these characteristics that exist, the empathic nature for them to stand in their power, they have to realize and accept these areas of themselves, not as weaknesses, but in, as one of our tools in the human design, we can actually show your makeup in a visual that shows where these sensitivities are. And the way that I like to explain it is being more like a sponge and absorbing the environment that, that you're around. Yeah, I did want to get into how we would or how we could define who are empaths and who could be or, or who could have these traits and who could potentially exhibit, uh, quote, nar- narcissistic traits. And because modern day psychology probably looks at how you think and how you in- in- interpret uh, and-, and react to different people and experiences. But we have a way to look at your human design chart and be able to identify whether you would uh, exhibit these tendencies or not and go into that. Yes. And so... With this human design chart, it's it's a diagram of your energy makeup, and it shows your nine major energy centers or chakras, and some people's are are activated or colored, and they're putting energy out into the world, and then other people's are white uh, or empathic or absorbing, and this helps people to separate exactly what kind of empath they are because I hear people use that term all the time, and they'll say, oh, I'm an empath. And many times I'll follow that up with, well, what type? And they'll look at me confused because there's an energetic empath. There's a um, where you just absorb like people's energy of the environment that you're in or when when bad things have happened in that room or in that home or something like that. You can you can intuit and you can feel that. And then there's emotional empaths that take on whoever's around them, the emotion that they are exhibiting uh, energetically. See, they don't have to be showing it physically, but it's just that they are holding it. So this could be being around a person that's carrying anger. The the so-called emotional empath starts to feel angry, but the person that's exemplifying it may not be exemplifying it physically. They may be holding it back, but we don't have to have it exemplified physically to be absorbing it. Then there's the mental empath. And with those people, they can have their mind changed by anyone that's persistent. So you've got intuitional empaths as well that some people are here to intuit things about themselves and 
the external world is just mirrors for them. And then there's people here that actually intuit their surroundings better than they do their selves. So what type of empath you are really helps you to learn to utilize the energy, or I like to say to Tai Chi the energy, to simply redirect the energy when it comes to you and starts to feel forceful. And I think this is very, very imperative for you know, extremely sensitive people to, to get clear on, to understand exactly what their empathic natures are. This discussion has helped me just right off the bat because I have my emotional center wide open and you've always kind of said that that is some of the most sensitive people. And I don't really consider myself, like I, I feel, I can feel emotions and energy, but as far as uh, comparing myself to some other really, really, really sensitive people, I don't feel like I'm that sensitive. And I, and I just thought that maybe I could uh, mentally keep it at bay somehow without training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that you explained the whole mental aspect, like my mental, my mind is filled in. Right. So I think that makes a huge difference. And I can definitely feel that because I cannot easily be swayed. Yes. But, and I want to bring in a separation between empathic and sensitive. Okay. See, empathic is that you're absorbing the environment that you are around. And sensitive doesn't necessarily mean that you absorb it. So, see, someone can be empathic but not necessarily be sensitive to the energy that's coming in that they're absorbing. So, see, technically separating the sensitivity from the empathic nature, you could hypothetically absorb some say so-called negative emotions from somebody that you're hanging out with but maybe not even exhibit it until the next day. Uh, when something else activates it or you get around somebody else that has a similar vibration. So that separation between sensitivity and empathic is is worth noting. And that, yes, the emotions is connected to the the mental level, as we always talk about the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual, and that we need to work on all five of these levels uh, to to reach optimal wellness. So having that that mental center activated, you know, is a buffer for you because you can literally use your intellect or, or the way that you're approaching something to step in and out of your emotions. And therefore, you're not as necessarily sensitive to those emotions, but you are still absorbing them. Uh, and I think that's worth noting. And anyone that has the mind center non-active and the emotions non-active, they've kind of got a double-edged sword. And, you know, we're going to get into the other side here in just a few minutes, but we do want to shine the light on empaths right now. Yeah, I'm glad you distinguished empathic and sensitive because I did want to bring in trauma and for both ends and what that can do and can that create these types of traits in people and I would say there are people who have taken on trauma that have made them sensitive, like extreme trauma, like emotional trauma or stuff like that. Maybe a past relationship was was really brutal and it has made them sensitive. And so they've been labeled an empath or maybe they self-identify as an empath. Because again, like you said at the beginning, the empathic label has been like loosely thrown around and we're bringing it back to the energetic part of it right. and, and kind of like redefining it within the philosophy. Um, and would you say that that type of sensitivity is an empath or, or, you know, how would you explain that? No, what we would call that is emotional triggers and, and it's very real and there needs to be, you know, compassion around it. And when someone goes So, for instance, that could be someone that has the emotional center filled in, so they're not necessarily empathic to people's emotions, but they were maybe raised by a very authoritative and maybe physically abusive father. So this association with being upset and some type of physical action happening, see, that gets trained. And then that person develops a sensitivity to anyone that's emotional, but that does not mean that they are absorbing through their empathic natures, uh, that emotion. So that's why, once again, that separation between sensitivity and empathic 
is very, very important, just like the separation between intuition and emotional reaction is very, very important. And one has to be very careful when they think they're operating through their intuition when they're not able to manage their emotions optimally because many people project intuition qualities that are really emotional reactions. Before we step uh, to the other side and look at the energetic makeup of like somebody who would exhibit narcissistic traits. Um, is there any type of uh, energy that we could look at in the cards that would show whether you'd be more empathic? Well, we're going on on a little bit of a creative limb here. I have watched for patterns sim- similar to these, and I can see that there is a certain amount of youth or childlike energy in the early cards, such as the aces, twos, three, four, fives, fives and under, you know, and then there's a lot of responsibility in the higher cards of the tens, the jacks, queens and kings. So see the, that so-called sensitivity can come from both sides. It can either come from uh, deserving issues with the more royalty and higher up type things. And those sensitivities can just be when they don't get what they feel like they deserve. And that's an energetic blueprint. So any of you that have children that seem to be very deserve or deserving oriented, it's a high likelihood that they're in that upper echelon as far as the cards go. And then any that you feel like just can't, they're extra sensitive. They seem like they can't get out of the the child phase, you know, and they might even be 20 or 30 years old or even older, then it's a high likelihood that they may carry those lower cards. And that just means simply that they they do have a zest for life and for the innocence of life. So there's a beauty to everything and there's a, what we call a cost. It doesn't have to be so-called good and bad, but uh, to recognize that with one beauty, there does come a cost, and many times with that youthful, childlike energy, then you have to deal with a certain level of sensitivity, and vice versa with the more mature energy, you have to deal with things not seeming as fun um, and carrying a little bit more responsibility. So, so I think a lot of this is energetic design. Uh, that is the specialty more of the human design than the cards, and the card specialty is more of personality and soul's purpose and um, how we relate to others. Uh, but both very useful tools and a big part um, of the just philosophy and how this is developed. And again, we are kind of defining these traits on like a sliding scale. And so like one end is like the empathic traits and the other end would be the quote narcissistic traits. But let's look at what or how we would kind of uh, make up on in the human design the people who would uh, most likely exhibit the, the narcissistic side. Yeah, so in as we said earlier uh, in the human design chart, the more white you have, the more um, empathic or the more sensitivities that you may carry. And the more colored in or activated centers that you have, the more forceful your energy feels. So, see, these people, they get labeled with um, this negative label doesn't necessarily mean that they're intentionally uh, forcing that energy. See, anyone that doesn't have the emotional center, such as Aaron, gets around someone such as myself that does have the emotional center activated, then see, my emotions, my emotional state is having a drastic effect on him, whether we realize it or not, whether we talk about it or not, it's happening. Uh, Energy doesn't have to be recognized to be having an effect. So I learned many, many years ago, over 20 some years ago, the, the weight that I carried with these emotions, I didn't understand it to the degree that I do now. But that's why I've spent over 24, 25 years of working on a whole philosophy around the methodology of comprehending the emotions and managing them, just similar to children. Uh, they, they, they don't have to be anything negative, they, and they can be managed because our emotional reactions are normally taught to us 
through the example that our environment, that may be most people's mothers and fathers, but it could be grandparents, uh, it could be adopted parents, but whatever your environment was, how the feminine energy, for many that is the female in the relationship and the masculine, but it doesn't always have to be the male and female. We're always talking about energy here rather than gender. But, you know, however the female energy is exhibited, that's going to show the more uh, empathic side, the more sensitive side, the more nurturing side, and how they relate to that. And then with the masculine energy, that is going to, uh, you know, flavor our way of seeing authority and seeing a structure and things of, of that type. So, so it's very important to be able to separate what you have picked up along your path and what is truly yours. And that's why we say that this, this philosophy is to help you with your self-authenticity, to understand who your authentic self is. Then you're much more likely to be able to stand in your so-called power in whatever you've got in your environment because you're able to separate what's you and what's being pushed onto you. So so I know people very – a few people that I've worked with in my private practice that has all of those centers filled in and they're just like a powerhouse. I mean, wherever they go, they dominate the conversations, they dominate the attention and, and they don't have to try. So a lot of sensitive people out there, empathic people that are using this label to, it's basically a judgment and, to realize that you're working hand in hand, it's your sensitivity that can learn to be managed, and it's that other person's energy that they can learn to soften as well. And this is the beauty of relationships, is when both parties work on something, then they heal something individually for, for each. And that's the beauty of opposites attracting. But when we just choose to use labels and say, you're this, or you're eliciting these types of traits... See, that's the, the why that's external. Why are you treating me this way? Why are you talking to me this way? When the standing in the power is really about seeing that I've got to take this power away from people. And by understanding where you are an empath, that can separate your empathic natures and your sensitivity natures. And they're managed two different ways. Sensitivities are broke through repetition and retraining. And empathic natures are or worked with to learn to get out of that pressure of that environment. So learning to remove yourself from the environment. So this is a really a large topic when you really start breaking everything down. But this is very confusing for people that are confusing emotions, empathic natures, intuitions. They, they don't know necessarily what's theirs, what's someone else's. And it can get overwhelming very quickly, and then people can judge themselves as they're weak because they're so sensitive. We know that's really a strength. It's a beautiful strength when you're able to manage it. And for those that are basically the energetic bullies out there, some of them realize it, some of them don't. And we can humble those energetic bullies by simply standing in our power, by recognizing and being able to point out what is being experienced and then see how much compassion that person with all the energy has to say, oh, sure, I can pull my energy back some in this area. That's somebody that's going to be able to work with you or it, they may respond to say, no, that's just who I am and I'm not going to be any different. And that may be a good sign to how much time you want to spend with them because a true empath, that is their uh, sword, so to say is removing themselves from the situation because you've got to get out of the impending pressure of the energy that's coming at you. Before we jump headfirst into all of that, I did want to also touch upon the idea of what you said, like these people exhibiting narcissistic traits don't always do it on purpose. And I think that's a misunderstanding because I've really looked at uh, both sides of some, ex, uh, not experiences, but some uh, external conflicts that I've seen where one person was labeled an empath, another person was narcissistic. And I could relate to both sides, but um, where I want to go with this is I could see that the narcissist was just 
reacting to what the empath was doing and saying and the energies. And I could see that it's just the, the way the narcissist was trained or the way he was responding to past trauma or even how he was energetically made up. And I, I mean, I can even give one of my own examples from my past before I met you. Actually, this is kind of what led to me searching for a new way was I was in a relationship and my significant other at the time, we were both Aries and only born eight days apart in the same year. So we were very headstrong. So when we would get into an argument, it would get real pretty fast. Yeah, that's right. But she had a way of being soft and pointing out what I was doing. And I wasn't at a place of self-development where I wanted to hear that or where I could really take a second and admit that because I knew deep down inside I had a knowing that what she was saying was right, but I was resisting it. Right. So I would take what she was saying, what I was doing, and I would find where she was doing it and point it back to her. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that is a a narcissistic trait where, you know, you re, you reflect it. Right. And I wasn't doing it on purpose. Like I wasn't like scheming and being like, no, I'm going to tell you. It was just my natural defense, right. I guess. And why that would, you know, fall under certainly a tendency more than a label. And the just seeing it, that doesn't make it, you know, okay. And that's what we want to be clear here is that we're carrying compassion for everyone involved on both sides of this. And, that the the so-called empath sensitivities are real, and, but they don't have to stay that sensitive, so to say. There is hope, and and I've been at that level of sensitivity to where when I went through my healing crisis for five years, I mean, I would just cry uncontrollably from unexplainable pain. And, and the more people that were around me, the more pain that I would feel. And now I know that that was literally me and my through my trauma and my empathic nature is just feeling what everybody's hiding around me. And now I work with people, whether they're labeled with fibromyalgia, but with many unexplained pains. And this is how we help to dissect that. So I've been at kind of uh, playing so-called both roles with similar traits in, in both columns. And the main thing to see is that, yes, we're focusing on traits that can be shifted and changed. But as you see, you weren't at a point to where you was receptive to anything being pointed out. So you would deflect it because that was more than likely what you were taught to do in your family environment. And and that's basically in our culture. That's what our culture teaches us to do. That's why waking up, so to say, or, or stepping into consciousness one of the very first step is accepting responsibility. And see, anytime we need, we have a reason to defend at all, this is for maybe very first-time listeners, but if you have a reason that you need to defend anything, there's something that you need to look at in there. And I don't make very many guarantees, but I can almost guarantee that, that if you have a reason to defend Whatever that person is saying, there is some truth to it and that that needs to be looked at. And that's why we call the wise wise is that internal view and that willingness to step back, whether you agree with them or not, to recognize that what they said or what they did elicited an emotional reaction. Whether it's so-called positive or so-called negative, I'm not really that that interested in just that it elicited an emotional reaction. And I always want to go internal and say, wait a minute, why is that? Why am I allowing that emotional reaction? There must be some truth to what they were saying. And now you say that, you know, years later, you're at a different stage and a different place and where you can see those conversations in a different way. But there wasn't any intention there. You weren't intending to be hurtful. You weren't intending to be closed. It was just where you were. And yes, I agree that I think a lot of people get judged and labeled when they don't realize what they're doing. And once again, we're not justifying and saying that that's okay. We're just pointing out that compassion can go a long way. We do need to bring things to people's attention in a way that they can receive it before we have true hope for things to change. So um, so how we do interact in those situations is very, very important. But, um, you know, bringing that, once again, standing in your power from this perspective, 
as being the epitome of that tree and that when the wind blows, the tree bends because it knows that it's rooted. And our rootedness is in our truth and what we know to be true for ourselves, not for everybody else in the world, but for ourselves. Then we can take the attacks, we can take the judgments, and we can bend like the tree but stay rooted. And where people get off is when they get into defense and they feel like they need to be forceful to stand in their power. That's not power. That's emotional reaction, people. So see, to stand forcefully and to meet fire with fire, so to say, that's not the power that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the masters that have stood through the hurricane but just not moved, just not stepped to the side, that accepted whatever was coming at them but simply showed that I'm not going to budge, but I don't need to show any force. And that's what emotional strength is. It's when you're able to be attacked verbally or emotionally and be able to let it wash over you because you accept and you know that what they are going through has nothing to do with you. That's the deepest level of compassion, and that's almost always the case in emotional reactions. The emotional reaction in the present moment typically has very little to do with that present moment. It's the buildup of similar moments throughout their whole life. So this, that tool helps uh, from the philosophy's view to not take things quite as personal. So I guess the visual in my head that I have is that we have like the empathic traits on one end, the narcissistic traits on the other, and we have standing in your power is the middle, the, the neutral ground. Yes. And even though we're talking about the subject of how an empath can learn to stand in their power and take their power back and that would help them in their overall life and ways to achieve that. Uh, somebody who could self-prescribe them <laughs> themselves as having these narcissistic traits can also reverse engineer this conversation. Yes, and, and one thing that I want to point out there is that that so-called narcissistic label has to learn to soften. And this is where we bring equal amounts of compassion in. Because many people that are so-called hard or carry those uh, so-called narcissistic tendencies, they've gone through a life that almost trained them to be that way. And if you're willing to hear their stories, once again, we're not justifying it. But to have an understanding of why someone is the way that they are can completely change your life, I promise you. Because now after working with thousands of clients, I mean, my compassion just increases more and more. The stories that I hear that people have been through in their lives, I mean, people, please carry more compassion you've ever even considered because it is truly amazing that we we fail in a lot of areas as a people, but to persevere, the human nature is is quite amazing. And so... Now that we're at a time of our evolution to truly take that tra- those traumas to, to recalibrate them and make them useful to help others is exactly what we're talking about here. And so whether it's an empath or a so-called empath that's lear- learning to separate their sensitivities from their empathic natures and to stand in maybe what is scary, to stand in that storm when really they normally want to run away, you know, that is very, very hard. On the other side... For the person of force, the person of lots of energy, to learn to soften, to learn that standing in their power is not through force. It's through compassion. It's through softness because they're so deeply rooted that they don't. their force can just shut people down around them. And for many people that get labeled that, that's the last thing that they want. They don't want the people around them to shut down because of their intensity or many times it's passion. So passion and intensity and anger, that can all get misconstrued and misunderstood very easily. So we want all of the so-called hard people out there to learn to soften and the so-called soft people to learn to just put on some armor and be a little hard now and then. So it is about meeting in that, that middle. But see, when we are putting on armor, that doesn't mean that we have to wear it all the time. Is once again, it gets back to right place, right time, right person, right situation. So let's get into um, how an empath can learn to stand in their power more. And you previously mentioned about 
um, them having to determine which of all of their sensitivities are their emotions, their feelings, their intuition, um, their sense, you know, their trauma responses. So how could one differentiate between all of those to begin the process? Well, one thing is to be honest with your past and to realize that when we start reviewing our past, uh, don't see it as truth because we only remember the past at the level of maturity or the level of understanding that we were at. And we typically hold on to that vision rather than allowing the memory to mature. And so, so we really can't trust our memories too much. But to be as honest with ourselves as we can to say that the environment that I was in, this is what was exemplified, whether that's the mother or father or whatever, the siblings, to bring all that in, especially before the years of seven years old. Uh, what you were around and what you were absorbing before that is imperative. And to not play the blame game and to that this recognition does not explain it. It's just a step of, or, or excuse it, it's just a step of recognition, of a step of acceptance. So if, say, someone that is, you know, very sensitive and they're working to see if this is a sensitivity or is, is this an empathic nature, if it's around the emotions, then yes, what kind of emotional environment were you around? And if you're around a volatile type of environment early in your life, then really look to see that if that empathic nature that, sense, that, that you're sensing uh, may very well be just an emotional trigger that you have learned to have a defense mechanism that when this type of energy happens, this is what I do as an automatic response. And early in life, children learn to check out. They learn to detach because they can't take the aggressive energy. So that becomes an automatic like trigger that for some so-called empathic people, if someone comes with too much force, they just shut down and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to emote. They can't explain what's going on, even if they're asked asked to and they try to. And that can slowly be worked on. Many times that may take some type of therapy to have somebody to play a role repetitiously for you to break that association. But because everything is frequency-based – the the light at the end of the tunnel is that everything can be shifted and changed. And that is the beauty of this frequency-based view philosophy. But it does take more time than most people want to admit. And it makes con- it takes consistency of effort. So that's why practice is so important. So I like to suggest people, once they see that they have a sensitivity rather than an empathic nature around something to work at exposing yourself to that person or that situation in amounts that just barely push your comfort zone and repeat that. And that comfort zone should get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is kind of like what I was talking about earlier about just putting your armor on, that every time you practice, it's kind of like building a callus for somebody that, that uses a hammer all day or someone that even plays drums you know, when you first start playing, you, you get blisters and then eventually you get calluses and that makes it less sensitive. So see, the harder you get, the less sensitive that you get. And so that's why that repetition of experiencing something that maybe has made you shut down uh, can be very useful to build that callus, so to say, um, and to help you separate the empathic natures from the sensitivities um, over time. And that can be extremely, extremely helpful. And how would you differentiate the difference between feeling and emoting? Okay. Well, this is one of my favorite little topics that we haven't expanded on greatly, but what I propose is that love may be the only feeling uh, that everything else that's experienced outside of touch is an emotion. So when you take away physical touch is a feeling, tingling 
inside the body can be like in the, at the um, energetic level. There can be like a tingling type of sensation is really what I take that into when that starts to be feeling. But many people use the term feelings when they're really meaning emoting, what they're emoting. And I happen to stand behind that love is the only feeling. It's the only thing that truly can't be defined. Although many songs and poetry has attempted to define it in many different ways, they're talking about a conditional emotional love. They're not talking about the unconditional love that Jesus and many, many other teachers have have discussed. That is a feeling that doesn't it doesn't go away dependent on what somebody does or doesn't do. And so uh, that's where I stand with feeling is that unconditional love is the only feeling and that every other uh, so-called feeling would probably be better defined as an emotion. So how would defining all of these and separating them by dissecting, you know, what's going on and, and dissecting their lives, how would that help them stand in their power? Because when you're clear in how to direct your energy, we call that intention. And uh, many people that get into the energetic world, they focus on that word a lot, intention, set your intention. And so you can't properly set your intention unless you know what you are specifically focusing on. By taking the time to dissect, yes, is this a feeling? Is this a sensation? What is it? The, the more clear that you can get in that dissecting, then the stronger your intuition and more than likely, the more likely your follow-up. Because the other thing that I spoke about that's so important is the consistency of the practice. The more consistent that you practice something, the sooner it is to evolve. And that means daily. And some people might practice something, you know, for like three hours one day and then take three months before they practice it again. And the more important thing is to do it every day to create a cycle, to create a rhythm, so to say. And so I'd rather you do it five or ten minutes a day than three hours one day and then a week later do it two hours and more sporadic like that. We previously did an episode on the three questions that help to define who you are. And I feel like that was the foundation of helping us be more successful in uh, creating our intentions and following through with them and standing in our power and really understanding who we are and what we stand for. And I feel like that is one of the greatest steps for empaths, in my opinion, and just like how I sense that type of energy is going through. I feel like because they are missing that sense of who they are and, and where they should take a stand that they almost don't take a stand anywhere. And so they're very vulnerable to somebody who, who knows who they are and is willing to take that stand and, and kind of not get steamrolled, but almost like allow, you know, they just kind of like stand there and they don't have the ability to, say, no, you know, plant their flag in the ground and say, no, this is who I am. So they just kind of allow that person to kind of take over like energetically or maybe the conversations if we're talking about a conversation or even a relationship, that person can become the dominant energy in that relationship. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, an important thing to point out here is that most people go into judgment and when they get around somebody that carries any level of confidence if this person is extremely insecure, then many times that whatever that level of confidence, it's seen in an extreme. And that extreme is seen because this person is viewing themselves so low. So there is, you know, something about being able to stand in your power and empower others in that power. Uh, that's kind of like a, another level that once you learn to stand in your power, then you learn to inspire people with your power rather than intimidate. And there's no right or wrong in this. It's just part of the maturity process that in the beginning it is ugly when we learn to stand in our power. And it can sound a little, little ego-oriented, especially to people that aren't practicing standing in their power. But all of this for the person that's really interested in self-development work and the authentic self they're going to continue to get smoother at that. And then they're going to find that it's not a need to stand in their power verbally, that merely their presence alters whatever is going on. 
And that becomes like a, an elevated level of standing in your power. So, so be, you know, sensitive when your listeners are, you know, truly looking at people and examples of anybody that you think really stands in their power. Typically, they don't talk a lot about it. That's people that are standing in their ego. Uh, but if they're asked, they can define it. So true standing in the power is seen when something um, uncomfortable or inconvenient is going on and how they manage, still manage to be able to look at it through diplomatic eyes. They're able to still see other people's views and recognize it without it threatening or creating any kind of negative or hostile uh, emotion. If the person shows that, then many times they are stuck in their ego and it's a forceful standing in their power. And once again, the definition of standing in your power in this is the tree, and the tree is not forceful to any wind that comes toward it. So so that's the power that I'm talking about rather than the power of a bulldozer, that that power brings destruction. But the tree power does not bring destruction. It only brings life. And if we're talking about standing in your power, being in that that middle neutral ground, it's almost like empaths and narcissists, and I'm just using those labels as, as general terms, people who exhibit those traits, have to do a lot of healing to get to that ground. Or, or maybe we can even say a lot of maturing or uh, having awareness around their traits. So they're choosing to make better decisions with their energy. And one thing to take into account is that opposites attract Mm-hmm. And so empaths seem to always attract people with narcissistic traits and, and vice versa because the, narciss- the narcissistic traits, people need somebody to, <laughs> uh, you know, place that power onto right. to maybe feel a sort of importance or something like that or a purpose. So maybe you could talk about how people with empathic tendencies can take steps towards uh, limiting or being aware of how they attract those situations or those people into their lives and they can make better choices so that those things aren't happening unconsciously. Okay, so with with the understanding, once again, of the law of polarity and one of the five pillars is that these opposites do have to exist and opposites do attract. So for someone wanting to change that pattern you have to look at why you are initially attracted to someone or something. And there is a common pattern there. Normally they will represent qualities of either your uh, mother or father or one of the people that was in your environment when you were being raised. And there's something that you need to heal there. In the Just Philosophy, we discuss that these are the roles that people play and that we pull people in to play certain roles. And the what has been proven through my own life is that when you learn the lesson, then that person either stops playing that role or their time in your life has run its course. And that's the point of why all relationships are temporary on this plane. And we our view of relationships and how we cling on to them is, is very jaded and it creates a lot of suffering for people. At the same time, we need to be able to invest and in order to grow with someone. So this is a very delicate subject, and uh, you know we want to bring in being very compassionate on, on both sides. But for the empaths that want to break this pattern, that very first step is to look at that attraction point. And for many of the feminine energy, for you to pay attention to does this person carry similar traits to the father figure? Because many times people will attract um, in their one of one or both of their parents or or traits of that to work through this healing process. And at the same time, many people, especially empaths, will hold a singular view of that parent, say negative. But when they're really being attracted to someone and as a possible mate because they carry the so-called positive traits of that father, but they don't recognize that enough to go, oh, yes, I see that he's very suave like my father, and I, I really like that about him. 
See, the the person will only focus on the negative traits, and so they will be fooled by that they're actually being attracted to traits like where the healing is necessary, but it's the so-called good traits or good qualities. And so that's very important to look at where the scarring may have come from, to look at that person in a very neutral light, to be... um, to look at their the beauty of them just as much as the so-called negative because you're being attracted more than likely to the the high side or the beautiful side that you were forgot to recognize in the father or the mother or the sibling or whatever that was or past relationship. And one thing that you've said in the past is the traits that you were initially attracted to at the beginning of a relationship are probably the traits that you're going to end up disliking or maybe have the most friction to later on. Yes, because many times that attraction is what we don't carry. So many times an introvert is attracted to an extrovert because they just go, wow, I wish I could talk in front of people like that. And so they're enamored by them. And see, the whole point is, is that that's supposed to be inspiration for the introvert to expand and to become more of an extrovert. And that's what this person's coming into their life to exemplify. But then, yes, normally it winds up six months down the road. The introvert doesn't want the extrovert to go out to get that feed of where they, you know, fell in love with them, so to say. And that's where the friction comes in. It's when you don't take that initial attraction and develop it and uh, see that, yes, I do want some of these traits. And so I need to follow their lead and learn how to do this. That's a growing relationship. Um, but unfortunately it seems to very rarely happen. And in the card system, we show this when Pluto shows up, when Pluto shows up, that is that, that attraction point or that, oh yes, we could say attraction point. That's going to have a double-edged sword that if you don't step into this, then it will become the ugliest feature of this person. And that's just the perversion of, of energy and how, I like to suggest that our only true free will may be our perception, how we choose to look at something. And the wise are very flexible in their perceptions. Um, So once again, we bring the tree in to be flexible in the storms, but very rooted and strong. And in an earlier episode this year, when we were looking at the kind of uh, chaos and civil unrest in the world, we kind of brought up the polarity versus duality argument with looking at that, where if you're taking one radical stance, you're actually going to grow the opposing force. Mm -hmm. And so if the idea is that you want to kind of not eliminate, but maybe soften that opposing force, that energy in the world, and you want people to be more neutral. I mean, I guess I'm just making that up Mm -hmm. uh, and projecting that onto that, that argument. Uh, If we're talking about the empath, the empaths versus the narcissists, the more somebody stands in either one, whichever one they are, and, and then the more they point to the other one as being wrong, aren't we essentially just causing the other side to stand in their ground and, yeah. and not move as toward the middle? Know, and that's my, been my observation of energy. The, you know, the deeper one side, one side of the polarity digs its heels in. By natural force, the other side digs in deeper. And you can see that any time a confrontation happens and anger just escalates the situation it you know both can both sides continue to escalate and the only resolve truly is in communication and so communication doesn't happen in the escalation so that's why you know another uh, property of this philosophy is to practice uh, being neutral and that or practice non-preference And that doesn't mean that you don't ever have a preference. It means that when you're in a challenging situation, you can practice non-preference because you've been practicing it for five years before on all these little things. And so I can't, you know, stress the the level of depth of this teaching once again of standing in non-preference does not mean that you don't care. It means that when you are uh, being attacked, that you can hopefully teach the person to listen by listening to them and not getting emotionally involved with what they're emotionally involved with and to inspire them to calm down because I'm in the same situation that you are right now. We're in the same space and we're going through life at the same exact time right now. 
So see, it's the one that can stand in a countenance of neutrality that has the chance to truly teach, to truly help, to truly transmute, to change. And the more you dig into your view, then the more opposition that you're going to get. So this is why, you know, consciousness is about being able to see all sides and in a very short time frame come to the way that is optimal for that time at that moment and the situation. And I like to just use the phrase for the overall good of everyone involved. And that can get to where it just takes a matter of seconds to suss all of that out. But it starts through the practice of all this dissecting. Yes, was this a feeling or an emotion or intuition or a sense? And we have a podcast early on that breaks these five or six different um, experiences down. And some people say, well, I don't have time to do all that. Well, you know, it's an investment into not only you, but everybody that's connected to you. It's an investment into communication because the more that you know yourself, and here's a key, people, the more that you accept yourself, the more accepting you will be of others. When you see others not accepting other people, they don't accept themselves and they're the ones trying to stand in their power the most and push their way the most. And the secret is they're the most insecure. The louder somebody yells, the less sure they are of what they're talking about. Now, pay attention to that. Because the more you stand in your own personal truth, the less force you should have to use. Because the one that's standing in the truth can understand that this is just a matter of time. And if I stand here long enough like a tree, it's going to cast a shade. It's going to change this person or these people's experience. And so that's why major change doesn't happen quickly and with authoritative force. That change doesn't last long. True change takes years, takes time to develop, and it takes a consistent effort over a long period of time. And that's what this internal change and, and how we're hopefully empowering so-called empaths to, to dissect this and to get clear on, yes, what is yours and what is someone else's. That's some of the very, very first steps. And so, you know, it is more useful to do this type of dissecting, in my opinion, than all the dissecting that people are doing, whether it's about the virus or whether it's about the, the debate of the presidential race or, or whatever it is. There's so much energy being spent externally that these internal gems are just waiting to be dissected. I think we've done a great job at offering uh, people with empathic tendencies uh, some really new perspectives to take a look at and, and kind of, like you said, dissect their internals to see where they can uh, improve and come more towards the, the neutral center. Um, but earlier you mentioned how uh, you started to mention different ways that empaths can start to remove themselves from the situation or different ways of like, quote, coping uh, if they are in a situation where they are around somebody with the opposing uh, radical traits. Um, but I wanted to end with any other suggestions that you have for, you know, either side for coping uh, or being more aware or just um, ways that they can slowly start to work on this, because I know it's probably going to be a slow process. Yes, and a great point. So in a small snippet, you know, for your so-called impasse, make sure that you're taking uh, Epsom salt baths with essential oils and to clear your field quite often, as often as you can. When you're taking a shower to visualize energetically everything getting cleared, to utilize sage and different types of herbs that have been proven to change the energetic field and the aura. And to, you know, another favorite of mine is lavender oil spray with just 15 drops in a little purified water. And the more sensitive or empathic that you feel that you are, the more often you need to do these clearing ceremonies. So for a lot of my clients, I like to suggest three times a day that before you start your day to do a cleansing when you're stepping out into the world at lunchtime to take time to do another cleansing. And then at the end of the day, before you come back into your home to do a cleansing. And so strengthening that, um, keeping your field clean, uh, doing meditation, getting in nature. So any type of 
uh, beneficial isolation because most empathic people do have a lot of white in their human design chart. And the way that that gets straightened out is going to be to yourself. And, you know, with the people that get labeled the, the so-called narcissist, the soften, softening is very important. And to realize that softening does not mean weak. You know, in our culture, that has been judged. And many people, that's why they will stand in their authority and they don't understand why others can't. But everyone isn't created equally. And that's why we like to look at they should be treated equally, but we're not created to handle situations equally. So so any of you that have been labeled with uh, with that, you know, the the nasty version of that so-called narcissist label, you know, take heed to at least listen that that it doesn't mean that you're uh, necessarily a bad person. It means that some of your traits that you're exhibiting is overwhelming for those around you and that simply learning to take a breath like for for many people with that label to just before you respond to learn to take a breath. And I mean, before you respond on a phone call, before you respond in person, before any response to just learn to take that breath. And that helps to soften because they can be very quick triggered. And that's what overwhelms the more sensitive person. And so this is not too much to ask for people that you care about. So we can help sort this out and see it on an energetic level and work with the different personality types. But whether it's softening or whether it's learning to stand in your uh, power, you know, to remove yourself from a situation or to just learn to take a breath in between responses so that you give that person a little bit of time to adjust. We do carry these these different traits to be able to help one another. And that's the way that I would like to see this topic going is how that we can help one another rather than judge one another. And I think this is a beautiful beginning of this, and I'm sure that we'll get um, a lot of response from it. Yeah, and I would like to leave the listeners with one thing that you said earlier, which was we're attracted to the opposite because we're inspired by them. And so if we remind ourselves to pause and maybe when we're not in that uh, current state where we are engaged with the opposing in a negative uh, type of energy, like in a in an argument or something, to pause and look at what inspires us about them, and just keep reminding ourselves because I because that will help both sides come towards the neutral because you know the empaths do need some of that that hard like you said and and the narcissistic trait traded people do need to soften. So I think that's just a good you know if you're going to take one thing from this, look for the inspiration in the opposing energy. Well said. Well said. All right, stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny car reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment it's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.